Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new each and every Thursday via podcastone.com or iTunes. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for streaming. Thank you for listening wherever you do so. It is much appreciated. Getting ready here for another week. As uh, you are hearing this, if you're listening on post day of Thursday, I'm getting ready for the next Trunk Nation LA Invasion. That, of course, is my monthly radio series that I broadcast a live show from the Rainbow in Los Angeles. The next one is coming up this Monday, the 8th of April, and really excited to have a great array of guests. Now, just a few weeks ago, and of course last week, you heard the last L.A. Invasion here on uh, the podcast, which was, of course, with Nikki Six, Tommy Lee, and Actors from the Dirt. So we are having some major moments and some major guests there uh, when we do these monthly L.A. events. And this Monday will be no different when we do the next one from the Rainbow uh, with guests including David Coverdale and then Rob Zombie and Marilyn Manson together. Of course, all sub- all guests are always subject to change, but that's what we're looking at for this Monday. And it is going to be an awesome, awesome event Psyched to uh, be headed back out to L.A. to do it. If you're in Southern California, remember, you can come and join us. It's totally free. All you got to do is come by. No ticket, no list, no nothing. And we do them 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific. And the next one, again, will be this Monday, the 8th of April, from the Rainbow, live on Sirius XM 106 volume. So if you're in Southern California, come by. If you aren't, listen on Sirius XM 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern for all the action as it happens from the rainbow. And, of course, be sure to listen to me each and every day on Sirius XM in the normal time window of 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time for the live show with the replay every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. The show is Trunk Nation, all rock talk each and every day on Sirius XM 106 volume. And that is where the interviews you hear on this podcast originate from. 
So as I always say, if you're listening only on the podcast and you live in the U.S. and Canada, you are only getting a fraction of what happens on a daily basis on my show on uh, SiriusXM. Hope you sign up. Hope you join me. And everybody else around the world, you're getting a little taste of what I do on a daily basis uh, on the radio show. So um, not a lot of uh, chit-chat at the top here because we have two interviews for you this week that I want to bring you. Both were done a couple weeks ago, about, I guess, about a week ago, week and change. I don't have the exact date in front of me. And both were to celebrate the 35th anniversaries of landmark hard rock records. 35 years ago, and well, let me give you the date, actually. Let me look it up on my phone so I can tell you um, when this actually took place. So... 35 years ago, as of March 27th, that's when these interviews took place. 35 years ago, on that date, March 27th, 1984, two great hard rock records were released. Rats Out of the Cellar, which was their major label full-length debut, and Scorpions Love at First Sting, which was their enormous breakthrough record after Blackout very much set the stage. This was really the record that put them over the top in America. Really interesting when you consider that for Rat, this is their most highly regarded record, and it was their debut full length. And for Scorpions, a lot of people looked at them as a new band, even though Love at First Sting was their ninth record. So on this day, on the 27th, just a week and change ago, I had call into my volume show the lead singers of both bands to talk about these records 35 years later. Stephen Piercy called in. I hadn't talked to Stephen in a while to reminisce a little bit about the record and give us a little update on what's going on with Rat, which these days only includes him and Juan Krausier as original members. So you'll hear from Stephen second in the podcast. But first, we have an international phone call with the always entertaining and always engaging Klaus Mina of Scorpions. Both of these guys I've known for many, many years and done many, many things with them over the years, and uh, they are both still chugging along. Rat is looking at doing some dates. Scorpions, as you're about to hear, are going to be doing shows, but all of it will be outside of America for 2019. They plan on doing stuff in the U.S. in 2020. So wherever you're listening to the podcast, if you're outside of the U.S., maybe you are getting some Scorpion states near you. We'll see, or you'll see. Uh, but anyway, we'll talk, we'll have the Klaus, we'll do a double dip this week. I'll post Klaus first. That'll come up immediately. And then the second interview will be with Stephen Piercy talking about out of the cellar and a little update on what's going on with rat, which like I said, is consolidated now back to one band with him and Juan being the sole original members. I have not seen this lineup of the band yet. So that's what we have for you. We go down, um, we go back to 1984 down memory lane on the Eddie Trunk podcast this week, remembering Love at First Sting and Out of the Cellar, which both came out on the same exact day 35 years ago as of March 27th. As usual, follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, and the fan page on Facebook. EddieTrunk.com is the website. Other things coming up, including on my uh, volume show, The next Trunk Top 20, a lot of people have been asking when the next one is coming. It's here. It's coming this Tuesday, and it'll be Led Zeppelin. My gosh, was this hard to pick 20. (laughs) It's just brutal. 
So if you want to uh, engage in that, listen to my 20, which will air on volume channel 106 this Tuesday, 2 to 4 and 9 to 11 Eastern. And then Wednesday, and I would probably, considering it's Zeppelin, think most of the week will be, as we usually do when we do the Trunk Top 20s, if you listen, uh, reactions and people with their own lists and celebrity lists and all that. So that's what we have going on. Also coming up April 25th, I will be at the Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood, Florida, hosting a show with Whitesnake. Whitesnake getting ready to release uh, their new record. Like I said, Coverdale, one of the guests scheduled to be on this coming Monday from L.A. and the next L.A. Invasion. And then I'll get to see Whitesnake do their thing on the 25th at the Hard Rock in Hollywood, uh, the next show that I'll be hosting there in South Florida. Like I said, keep an eye on the social media. A lot of stuff going on, and uh, I also have a vacation week coming up the week of April 15th, so I'm actually looking forward to that, catching a little break away from everything for a few days, which is always good to kind of recharge the batteries a bit. So uh, long, long, long overdue vacation week coming up, and that'll be the week of April 15th. So we'll get you a podcast, though. We'll still get you, always get you something new to listen to every Thursday here on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. All right, let's let's uh, let's take a quick break here. We'll come back. We'll talk to Klaus. Then we'll talk to Piercy. A double dip on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Every car comes with its uh, share of stories. You know that, right? That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date. The luxury package you got after that big promotion. Or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car's worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof, watch as they bump up your value. High mileage, you already knew it was going to cost you, right? But now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True Car cash offer, not available in all areas. Podcast One Sportsnet is your home for the best coverage of the Final Four in this year's March Madness. Get all the play-by-play and top-notch analysis from sportscasting gurus like Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen. Then put in your bets with betting expert R.J. Bell on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. And laugh out loud with the biggest name in the game, literally, on the big podcast with Shaq. Download new episodes of these shows and more every week. Podcast One Sportsnet. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Eddie Trunk back with you on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Coming up uh, second on this week's interview schedule is Stephen Piercy of Rat with an update on what's going on with the band and talking a little bit about Out of the Cellar, which recently celebrated a 35th anniversary. But first, we go international to Klaus Mina of Scorpions to talk about Love at First Sting 35 years later. Here's Klaus. Enjoy. Klaus, how are you, buddy? Very good. Hi, Eddie. How are you doing? Very good. Does it feel like 35 years ago that this record came out? 
Well, it feels like yesterday. <laughs> it's amazing. It's the 35th anniversary to exactly today, to this day. You know, it's amazing after all these years. And, yeah, what a moment in time for the Scorpions. Talk to me a little bit about what was going on, Klaus, because, you know, I mentioned a little a second ago, I, I had Stephen Piercy, the singer from Rat, on a few minutes ago because today their big record, Out of the Cellar, was released on this same day 35 years ago. And for them, okay. it was a very different story because it was their major label debut. It was their first full-length record. For Scorpions, very different because here in America, you were looked at a little bit with Blackout, and this record is somewhat of a a new band, but this was really, Love at First Sing was really your ninth album, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, after Blackout, it was really quite an operation, you know, to, to go out there, go back into the studio uh, after the Blackout tour and really to top to top an album like Blackout, which, which seemed almost like impossible, you know. So you, you go back to the studio and in those days, we were in Cologne, uh, in, the, in the Dirk Studios, you know, with our longtime producer Dieter Dirks, and it was quite a challenge, you know, to to really to go in there and say, "Oh, come on, we we can do it," you know. And it was it was tough, but we had a good time and we had a lot of fun. And uh, I remember we went uh, also for a couple of sessions uh, up to Sweden to the Polar Studios in Stockholm, and we had a lot of fun there, even though. The end of the day, we didn't use any any of it, you know, and we we came back to Germany and recorded all the tracks uh, there finally and in, in at the Dirk Studios, you know. But it was it was uh, we had a great time there, and uh, we knew with with songs like Bad Boys Running Wild, I'm Leaving You, Coming Home, you know, and all those tracks. Uh, on the way, we had the feeling this is going to be a great, great album with a couple of songs that will be wonderful to play them live. And not knowing that Rock You Like a Hurricane would become such a smash. And Big City Nights was also pretty, pretty, pretty cool. And uh, not to forget uh, the Monster Ballads Loving You. Yeah, you know, so there was, there was plenty of material, you know, and especially uh, Scorpions being a live band more than anything else, you know, to go out on the road again and have lots and lots of tracks uh, from this album to choose from. Well, see, it's interesting, Klaus, because here in America, I knew about you guys way before this record, and a lot of hard rock fans did, certainly having Love Drive and some of the Yuli stuff, and Blackout was really the record that put Scorpions on the map in America because of no one like you and MTV, but this record really took things to a whole nother level, so knowing that uh, the, the previous record had laid a base and pro finally had broken you through in the U.S., but knowing that when you go in to make Love at First Stage, was there? I know you said it was fun, but was there pressure because now the record company is expecting something because there was some success with Blackout? Was there pressure to live up to it? Did you guys feel that at all? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was there was a lot of pressure. You know, and and I remember also uh, Francis and Herman. They they were going through some some rough times. You know, and we went up to Stockholm. I mean, all those years uh, working in the Dirk Studios, which was cool, but we needed different place, you know. We needed uh, 
some new atmosphere. That's why we went up to Sweden, and uh, I remember we had our friends Jimmy Bain and Bobby Rondinelli, uh, Jimmy Bain bass and Bobby on drums, you know, so we had, had them with us, and it was... Uh, Fantastic, you know, and Jimmy, we know those guys from uh, the tours we did with Rainbow in the U.S., you know, and, and great musicians. And like I said before, we came back to Germany to to uh, to to do the record with Herman and Francis when they came back, you know, and at the end of the day, those were the, 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 the best sessions. But I remember also one really hilarious moment in Stockholm. Uh, you know, in those days, it was like... And when you think about it today, with all the digital stuff, you know, all the Pro Tools and the recording studios, uh, back then, you know, it was like the band in, in the room, you know, playing the, the song, whatever the track was, uh, one take after the other, you know, until you really have the, the best one, the best version. And uh, in those days, we also had in Stockholm a lot of fans and friends hanging out there with us. It was a very loose kind of atmosphere, you know. So there were some, some girls in, in the control room as well. And when the band played, uh, for example, like Still Avenue, you know, it was like with every uh, new take, you know, it was like this could be it, this could be the version. And one of the girls in the studio was Ulla, the ex-wife of Quincy Jones, you know, and I remember when I started uh, singing Still Loving You, she was singing along with me, you know, it was hilarious. So, of course, we couldn't use any of it, you know, but it was a lot of fun and uh, a lot of partying in Stockholm and Jimmy Bain, he was really like dropping on the floor, but he still kept playing uh, the song, you know. And so amazing moments. Uh, but like I said, when we came back to Germany, there was a little pub outside the Dirk Studios uh, called Malena's, Malena's Pub, you know. And we went there for a little little bite in the in the breaks for the sessions. And, uh, you know, some some schnitzel and stuff and a uh, couple of drinks. And it was with, with Dieter Dirks, you know, we spent some hours there sometimes in this little pub around the corner. And uh, instead of going to bed, uh, Dieter wanted us to go back into the studio, you know. So <laughs> we spent another night session, you know, until 5 o'clock in the morning. And it was really, like, like I said, playing one take after the other, always on the way to, yeah, this next version, this is the one, this is the million-dollar one, you know. And uh, I remember Herman was also, like, in the, we were in the control room, and then you couldn't hear Herman anymore. He was like, Herman, are you still there? And he just dropped off his drum stool, you know. He was just done, you know. <laughs> so you could see we were working very, very hard on, on this record. So like you said, there was a lot of pressure, yes. But it was also a lot of fun, and then we really learned that we had some really, like, killer material, and the songs came out really great. Dita Dirks did an amazing job on the album as well, you know, and uh, at the end of the day, it was a lot of fun, and the band was really, really hard-working, but also really hard-rocking, you know, and, uh, yeah, to top Blackout, this was the challenge, and uh, when it came to to pick the right artwork, you know, and uh, we found Helmut Newton, this amazing uh, 
photographer from from Germany who was really an international very well known uh photographer you know it it was also the great session that came out uh at the end of the day to pick the right artwork for for the for this album was there controversy about the artwork at the time Klaus no not at all you know uh we went to Paris for the photo shooting and uh Helmut was he was an amazing guy. He had one of his best uh, models in the studio with us, and he was shooting the whole band, you know. And uh, I think later on, when we were running into troubles with Walmart in America, and uh, we were looking for some alternative uh, album, you know, when when the original uh, cover shot was too 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 sexy you know, too offensive, and uh, we had to change it. But we had also some band tracks we could use. But the original uh, picture that in the end we that was taken was just uh, the pure genius of, of uh, the photographer Helmut Newton. You know, it was really uh, an artwork that is, is still today, a lot of collectors, uh, they, they try to get the original and maybe out there they find some that they have an original signature from Hermann Newton you know and uh, so this this album needed a strong artwork you know and I think it is I mean with a song like Rock You Like a Hurricane what can I say until this day this this song is like uh, a, a monster you know it's it's one of those classic uh, iconic songs uh, that maybe will live on forever, you know, and, uh, whenever we're on tour and whatever show we play, this song is definitely in the encore, and, uh, it's so wonderful to see the young generation singing along with it, you know, it's, uh, it's a privilege after all these years to, to play in front of three generations and, uh, songs like Big City Nights and Rock You Like a Hurricane, they're still, uh, the big deal today and, uh, one of the reasons the Scorpions are so so successful around the world. Yeah, well, you have you have major songs on this record, like you said, uh, "Rocky Like a Hurricane," the biggest, but then of course, still loving you, and uh, even a, a song like "Coming Home." I love "Big City Nights" was a huge song as well. "Bad Boys Running Wild," just that opening guitar lick, the way the the record starts is great. There, there's so much, there's so much great stuff. You know what I find interesting, Klaus, which I didn't know though. You were talking about Rondinelli and Jimmy Bain doing this, so so Herman and Francis couldn't, you know, were dealing with issues. When you, you so what you're saying is you basically almost recorded this record twice. There is a version of it somewhere with those guys as the rhythm section. Yeah, but I, I don't think there's anything left of it, you know. But uh, but I mean, in those days, it was like uh, a lot of rehearsing the songs uh, before we went into the studio. You know, we had our sessions when there was some material. We went into the uh, in our own studios in outside of Hanover and uh, there was a lot of rehearsing the, the, the tracks you know and of, of course with some of the songs we wrote uh, during uh, the recording sessions in, in, in Cologne at the Dirk Studios but there was a good uh, basic situ- creative uh, layout you know and then we started uh, to really with a fine tuning together with, with Dieter Dirks and uh, so, so when we went to Stockholm, it was more, we had the songs, but it was more like changing atmosphere, you know, just breaking out of the 
breaking the old formula, uh, being in the same place, going to the same pub, you know, and all this, staying at the same hotel. I mean, in those days, we, was, we, we stayed in Dieter Dirk's guest house, and, uh, you know, so it was, uh, you know, it was far, far, far away from any kind of luxury or staying in beautiful hotels, nothing of all of that, you know. It was very much uh, down to earth and uh, we were really working hard, you know, and it was like we had to prove uh, we are here to stay, you know, and uh, we had a great start with Love Drive and even earlier than that, love, you, you know, the, the years with Uli, John Roth, uh, uh, the fabulous Tokyo Tapes, and then oh, taken, uh, we taken by the force 80s, is a, uh, taken by force is a great record. I mean, I love I listen, you yeah. know, all that stuff was great. It just wasn't as on the radar here in America. That's all. It was just looked at differently. Yeah, exactly. You know, but with with blackout and of course with the arrival of MTV, uh, all of a sudden, no one like you. All those songs, uh, blackout. Uh, we hit the mainstream in a way. You know, being on MTV uh, every day. Uh, with these massive airplay of songs like uh, No One Like You. And so, therefore, this was like a great start and to come back. And, of course, we supported uh, all those albums, Blackout, Love It Was Sing, with lots and lots of massive touring, uh, especially in America, you know. And we had a great time. And uh, I remember after the recording sessions uh, for Love It Was Sing, the next day, we went straight on the road, and uh, we were out there for, I think, two years. Played so many shows around the world, uh, including uh, Rock and Rio, the first one in uh, January 85. Uh, and we go back there this year. In October, we play Rock and Rio together with Iron Maiden and many other bands. And it's wonderful. After all these years, we, we go back to Brazil and play Rock and Rio. It's 1984 all over again. Scorpions and Iron Maiden in Rio. <laughs> it's perfect. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it was a lot of uh, rehearsing the songs and then uh, going to Stockholm. And w when uh, Jimmy and, and Bobby came in, you know, they were just stepping in. We had some issues with, with Herman and Francis at the time. You know, and maybe it was just all about, come on, guys, you have to give 200%. You know, everybody knew this is it we have to work really hard and 100 percent is not enough you know so atmosphere was one thing at the wonderful polar studios in those days and we needed this kind of change and uh and, and it, of course at the end of the day it, it was a challenge uh on on herman and francis and uh when we came back from stockholm they came back with us into the dirk studios and it was all cool. It was a good vibe between us, and uh, and they they nailed it as well, you know. And they they got the message. You know, writing this, I'm looking over the the liner notes in this record right now, and it's interesting because you and Rudolph basically wrote the entire record. The only thing that, that there's uh, Herman has co-writes on on lyrics on two songs, but the rest of the record is all you and and Rudolph uh, writing the entire record. Did you guys when you 
came up with this material knowing how much pressure there was did you how did that work did you sit in a room together and actually write or did you do it individually were were these all ideas that were just for this record or stuff both of you had been knocking around and also tell me klaus about the language barrier because at the time i mean you always you you always sang in english uh, with scorpions but I imagine over time you got a better grasp on writing in English and 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 speaking and singing in English, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, but it was still like, yeah, it's that's something when you talk about the language barrier. You know, it's it's an important thing as well. I mean, I was used to to think in English. You know, writing songs, but still, of course, you know, it's it's not so easy. And Herman. Since he lived a couple of years in in in, in London, became before he joined the Scorpions, uh, his English was definitely better than any of us, you know. So it was uh, it was good to to write with Herman. I, I think we did the Bad Boys Running Wild together, you know. And of course, uh, especially for Rocky Like a Hurricane, we were looking. I mean, we knew this song, it's this riff, it's like a killer riff, you know, and uh, we knew this needs like a, a powerful hook line, um, but it was not easy to, to find that hook. And uh, I think Herman came up with uh, the verses, uh, you know, and it reflected like the, the, the dirty rock and roll lifestyle on the road, especially in America, you know, and the bitch is hungry and she needs to tell her, give her inches and feed her well, you know. This was totally Herman, you know. <laughs> and, and it worked so well in that song. And uh, when I found the, the hook line, Rock You Like a Hurricane, you know, this was like uh, a big winner, you know. And uh, I think we finished up the lyrics together in the studio. It was like... Uh, especially for Rocky Like a Hurricane, it was like in and out. We presented some lyrics to the band, or I did, you know, and it was like, nah, come on, Klaus, no, this is not, it's not good enough. No, come on, you go back, you come up with something much better, you know, and uh, when I found Rocky Like a Hurricane, everybody went, yes, this is like totally cool, and it sounded like, it was a hook line that, that fits like a glove on the music, you know, and uh, then it was a lot of fun, you know, to come up with the verses. And, and of course, some of it uh, Herman and me uh, did together. And, and that was just a fun ride. And we knew we had really a winner. You know, I'm looking at, and one other thing as I look at the notes, it says real small in the liner notes here, backing vocals on Bad Boys Running Wild and the same thrill yelled by the Rassel Band. With ass kicked by Klaus, do you remember that? Yeah, in in German it, it means, well, you pronounce it die Rasselbande. Uh, yeah, but if you translate it into the the, the rattle band uh, or gang, the rattle gang, it's more like it, you know. So it's like Rasselbande. Yeah, it's like a it's like a gang, but in a fun way, you know. And uh, yeah, this those guys. I mean, the rest of the band, including Dirks, I, I think everybody uh, came in to do some those, uh, yeah, for those big hook line kind of shouting backing vocals. But it, what, when, we, when we talk about the more sensitive stuff, where it means, you know, to take all these uh, higher voices and harmonies in the songs, 
there was that was not the moment for the Russell band, you know, because that was always me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because. Uh, Russell Bande was only for the, the rough and tough, you know, and, and scream it out loud stuff. But uh, when it when it c- comes to uh, really sing the song, sing the, put on a, a, a beautiful harmony on the track, you know, then it was always me. And, and Dirk had many, many good ideas also. And also many, many voices that were much, much higher than I could even sing, you know. Mm. Oh well before I let you go, Klaus, let me get a little update on what's going on now with Scorpions. You mentioned the show you have coming up in Rio, but uh what what is uh what does twenty nineteen look like for the band? Are you talking about music? Are you gonna come over and do some more shows in the US? Uh how how's the how you know, you feeling actually, these days? What are you enjoy, thinking? We just enjoy like something like a creative break and uh which comes uh, unfortunately to an end. Uh, pretty soon, but uh, the good good thing is uh, we all come together in the next uh, two weeks or so and spend some time hanging out, sharing ideas, you know, and working on rough new songs. And let's see uh, where we go and where we where we go from there, you know. So, but it really feels good to to come together and really uh, enter creative land again, you know. And uh, since we we start. Uh, or we pick up touring in 2019 in the summer. Actually, in in June, uh, we play like something like the Download Festival in Madrid or Copenhagen, Copenhagen, Denmark. You know, so we go all over Europe uh, to Portugal. We go to Poland, uh, a lot of places, and uh, then we go to uh, South America. We do a lot of shows in Brazil including uh, at the 4th of October, actually, Rock and Rio. Uh, and uh, we're looking very much forward to that. And after that, we also play shows in in Colombia, in Chile, and for the very first time also in Ecuador. And so sounds like really exciting. We're excited to go back there. And then after that, we have another a tour in Russia and the Ukraine and Belarus and uh then it's almost Christmas, I guess, and we hope we have a chance to come back uh, in 2020 to the United States and hopefully uh, with some new music, you know. Uh, like I said, we go in the studio now in April, and uh, let's see uh, what comes out of it, and everybody comes with hopefully lots and lots of ideas. And I tell you something, we haven't lost the excitement to create something new. And even if it would be just for a couple of new songs in our set, you know, that's also something uh, we want to refresh our set, uh, which is absolutely necessary, like some, some of our fans uh, mentioned again and again on Facebook. Uh, of course, uh, this might be uh, a good reason to, to, have, to write a couple of new songs, but if it really feels good and we really have a good run, you know, who knows? It might turn into a, a new album. Right. And if it doesn't, I mean, you you know, you've got such a catalog of music to play that, you know, I mean, everyone would love to hear some new songs, but at the same token, with the catalog you pl- you have, you can't possibly play it all as it is. So you can also go back and go to the archives and go into the catalog and throw some things in that Absolutely. people haven't heard in a long time, which half the audience would think would be a new song, probably. Yeah, probably. That's right. You know, it's an amazing catalog of music. Uh, 
Yes, yes, yes. And there are a couple of tracks uh, that might find their way into our set list. Uh, but still, for us, it feels uh, much more exciting uh, to to come up with something brand new, you know. Well, it would the, be really good... cool. But after all these years, and I know some bands, our generation, it takes some years sometimes, you know, to to really uh, create and write uh, new songs and a new album. And so if you want to do it, you know, then you have, to, you, have to, you have to have a good reason to do it. That means you have to have great material where you feel this should be out, you know, and this is something uh, we should play out there for our fans. And also with, with uh, you know, with uh, Mickey D in the band, you know, you can imagine, and this is what I think many of our hardcore uh, Scorpions fans, followers around the world expect, uh, is probably an album that's more, that's more focused on the harder edge. You know, mm -hmm. and w with Mickey in the band, I can see it, you know, that uh, we go there and, and rock it real hard. It would be really cool. I mean, it's a challenge. After all, after all these years, it really is a challenge. Uh, not to think uh, ballad, but think blackout or love it first thing, you know. And uh, but I'm up for it, you know. And uh, let's see what the future will bring. Well, that's great. And the best news here is you're not talking anything about retirement at all. So it sounds like there's still plenty of life left in Scorpions. Yeah, there's plenty of life in in the Scorpions. And I mean, we last couple of years were really heavy. And uh, we were touring around the, the around the globe, and even picked up a couple of new places like Australia, New Zealand, uh, China. You know, so even Uzbekistan. You know, we went to faraway places, and it's been uh, so much uh, fun uh, for most of it. And uh, we really enjoyed it to reach out there and. Uh, you know, to to face new challenges and just go for it. You know, it's like, come on, Scorpions, you played everywhere. No, come on, let's do this. <laughs> you know? There's always somewhere. And, uh, there's always somewhere in the world you haven't hit yet. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's. I mean, you find always places on the map, but uh, like in the old days, in our office, we had like a, a world map uh, on the wall. You know, and we put lots and lots of needles in every new city, every new country we played. I would say in 2019, we're running out of needles. We're running out of places to go, you know, but it's a lot of places we love to come back to. Well, Klaus, I, I greatly appreciate the time today. And before I let you go, there's one last thing I want to ask you about because I was just putting this together in my head. You know, here here in the U.S., the uh, a movie just came out about uh, a biopic, as they call it, on, on Motley Crue. And I think back in the day, you guys had some crossover with Motley Crue. Did you see the movie? Have you heard about this movie? Of course, it's uh, over here in the world of music. It's big news as well. It's it just been released on Netflix. And, uh, of course, I haven't seen it yet, you know. Uh, I just but you guys, you, guys had the, you, you guys had the same manager back in the day, right? Doc McGee, right? Exactly, exactly. I just saw the trailer where the actor who was who uh, playing Doc McGee, you know, goes, ah, after the Scorpions and blah, 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 blah. You know, I haven't seen anything like this. <laughs> it's really funny, you know. It's, uh, but it, it just came out here on Netflix, 
uh, around the world. And I mean, we we toured many times with with Motley together, uh, and especially in America. And Vince, uh, I think Vince covered Scorpion songs. I I believe he and, did another uh, piece of meat. Another piece of meat. Yeah, he did. exactly, exactly. And uh, when uh, when he had a, a side project uh, going. Uh, he was with us out there in America for a couple of shows where he was opening up for us. And he's a great guy. And uh, what a crazy, crazy band. <laughs> I mean, of course, you know, we, we know them for many years, Tommy uh, and uh, all the guys. And uh, I mean, I hope, hope all the best for them since he also stopped. Uh, and uh, they're, not, they're even not shy after all these years to cover uh, Madonna, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's true too. They just did that like a virgin they covered. Yeah. So, but I was just wondering, you know, cause I know you had history with them and I know you shared the same management. So I figured you had some stories and, and memories of that time yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's impossible uh, in this kind of genre when you tour the United States, uh, you don't run into uh motley crew, you know, Aussie, you know, all those guys, uh, and it's great. After all these years, they're, they're still around, you know, and uh, some of them are still uh, out there big time, like Bon Jovi. They come to, to Europe this year as, as well, I think. And when I think about Love It First Thing, I, and when I think about the Love It First Thing tour, then I also remember that uh, this was the tour we, we put Bon Jovi on this uh, Love It First Thing tour uh, all over America uh, as the opening act. You know, this is how they started. This is how it all started for them, you know. And uh, when you think, when you look at them today, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. John's done an amazing job steering that for all these years and pre- pretty much reinventing that band and still having them, regardless of who else is in it with them, still making it a, a huge global band. It's pretty incredible what he's been able to do. Yeah. There's another another anniversary coming out this year. I think it's... it's uh, 30 years uh, where we played the Moscow Music Peace Festival, you know, in the fall. Which could be a movie in itself, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> it, it could be a good uh, subject for your next show, you know, the Moscow Music Peace Festival. Yeah, I would, <laughs> lo- I would love tower. I would love to get everybody who played that on under one roof in one room. That would be unbelievable to do that. That, oh, would, that uh, would be fantastic. Yeah, it would be yeah. fantastic. It might be hard for the logistics, but hopefully we can put it together one of these days. That would be great. Well, well, Klaus, I appreciate the time. I really do. It's always great to talk to you, man. And uh, I, I'm glad to hear Scorpions have a great year planned ahead. We hope to see you here in the U.S. again really soon. And uh, if you get over here, you know, I'd love to have you come sit in the studio and take some calls and continue talking about the past and the future as well. Uh, send my best yeah, to all the I guys. To. I would love to. And I just want to say thank you to all our fans in the U.S. for their support love and support for so many, many, many years. And I want them to know that, that it still means so much for us. And uh, the reason we're not back in the U.S. this year, you know, it's, we're just somewhere else, you know. But we hope we have a chance to come back in 2020 and then to give you, like, uh, we give you another sting. So get ready and get rocked like a hurricane. Klaus, thank you so much, man. Say hi to the guys. I hope to see you soon, okay? All right. Thanks, Eddie. Thank you. Bye-bye, then. Bye-bye. Take care. There he goes. See you. Klaus Mina, everybody, from Scorpions. (laughs) He's just, he's awesome.
Well, my thanks to Klaus Mina of Scorpions. Always a lot of fun to talk to and appreciate him taking the time to check in. And hard to believe Love It First Thing is 35 years old. That is just absolutely crazy. Let's get a break and we'll come back and we will talk to Stephen Piercy of Rat and that band's debut album, Out of the Cellar, turned 35 also on March 27th. We'll talk a little bit about that and what's going on with Rat right after this. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, if you guys like my show, you're going to love Offbeat with Ricky Anderson and Mir Harris on Podcast One. Join the head of A&R for the Kanye West-founded label Good Music and the music executive turned activist as they sit down for strange stories and offbeat conversations with some of the biggest names in music, comedy, entertainment, and more. Download new episodes of Offbeat with Ricky Anderson and Mir Harris every week on Podcast One. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Eddie Trunk back with you on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. As promised, up second on this week's Double Dip, it is Stephen Piercy of Rat. Enjoy. Stephen, how are you, brother? I am good. How are you doing, brother? Does it feel like 35 years since this thing came out? Uh... What's uh, your phone was breaking up on me? What'd you say? Well, I said you know, in the mind, definitely, but the uh, body, no. <laughs> you said your mind, but not you said your your phone is cutting out on me a little bit, man. Okay, uh, you got it. You heard it right. You said your mind, yes, but not your body. Your body, yes, but not your mind. Yeah. The, one of them takes a beating, but yeah, it's still fresh, you know? Well, I, I was saying earlier, I think the record still holds up amazingly. I said that on social media. I mean, some records you listen to, and it's like 35 years ago, and you're like, oh, man, it sounds exactly like that. But I think great songs are great songs, and although production sound, things have changed, I think it's still a great-sounding record. Do, do, you, do you still, like, when you look at your catalog and your history of music with Rat, do you still go back and listen to anything? Do you ever go, would you ever go put Rat uh, out of the cellar on and, and listen to it? No, but I do, uh, once in a while I'd have to listen, because everybody gets the lyrics wrong, first of all, all of my stuff. Um, But yeah, I have to every occasionally, I mean, occasionally to, you know, remember some things. I mean, I've got like 200 songs in my head, you know. What are your recollections of making this record, Stephen? I mean, you guys were coming off of making an EP. You're signed to Atlantic Records. You've got Bo Hill producing you. You go in to make your first full-length record. Uh, Talk a little bit about the headspace for the band. Did you realize you were creating some magic? Did you realize you were creating what, you know, would probably most people would consider to be your definitive record at that point? We knew we had good songs because we were playing a couple of them live and they went well. When we first went in with Bo Hill, he was a staff producer, and we were asked um, if we would like, you know, do some stuff with him before we went in, full-blown, and we played a couple songs, and Round and Round happened to be one of them, but I don't know if it was totally complete, but 99%, and he said, you know, first song we were working on, if I'm correct, he says, we're working on that one, and then it just worked. We went in there, and 
with Bo and, you know, the rest is history. So early out of the gate, Bo recognized that Round and Round would be a, a big a big song. That was something that really jumped out to him? Oh, 100%. Yeah. What would you, do? What do you remember the origins of that song? Had you guys had it for a while and were messing around with it, or was it written just for Out of the Cellar? No, we actually worked on it for a bit and did it live. And it, like I said, it wasn't the proper bridge. Uh, you know, I knew it from the beginning. There were some things that not were not there, um, but we'd play it live occasionally. You know, we'd always try out. Uh, new songs and went over well you know and then it just developed in the studio and uh fortunately millions of albums later it was way cool you know did it take you guys by surprise when this record and that song became such a big big song i mean were you guys prepared for that i mean you've been knocking around a little bit on the la scene the ep had come out here it is, you know, a lot of the, the outside of Southern California, a lot of people don't know who Rat is. And then all of a sudden, this debut album, Atlantic Records, and I mean, it just hit quick and obviously a lot driven by MTV and the video, too. 100%. Yeah. Um, we were ready to go, put it that way. You know, our competition was ourselves. Um, and, and we went out there and just had at it 100%, you know. We're ready. Let's talk. Let's talk about some of the other songs on the record too. I mean, the other one, which yeah. is one of my all-time favorite Rat songs, is uh, is back for more. Was that yeah. newly written for the record? Was there were there things on this record that had been knocking around for a bit, or did everything come together for this record specifically? Um, well, in your direction and back, uh, I was playing or, or wrote those in uh, Mickey Rat. Um, and we started playing those. Uh, the other song was Wanted Man, and, you know, Juan comes up with She Wants Money, and then we, Juan and I did, uh, you know, lots of communication. It depended. Robin would bring in I'm Insane, and uh, Robin and Juan, Scene of the Crime. Uh, it was, it was, we just threw songs into the pot, and whatever worked. Yeah, two two of my favorites on here that are more of album tracks. Um, You're in trouble, which I always loved, and it, you mentioned in your direction. I didn't know the history on that. What's interesting yeah. about that is that's the one song on this record that you're the sole songwriter on. Then that's got a killer guitar riff on it too. So, do you write a lot? Yeah. Do you play a lot of guitar when you write? Um, a hundred percent. Yes, definitely. I mean, there's guitars everywhere. In the last six months of my. Uh, Knee surgeries, um, that's all I do is play guitar and write songs, you know. So I'm a guitar player at first, but, uh, you know, so I play guitar. I write songs. See, I, I don't think a lot of people would realize that because obviously uh, in, in Rat, you were just the front man. You really don't play guitar live with the band, so I don't think right. people would even really think that. But uh, uh. I don't think you can write a song like like uh, in your direction without being able to play some guitar because that's a yeah. killer riff. Yeah, and I think there was, and that for more goes, goes back to uh, kind of Mickey Rat too. Um, but the other songs, you know, I mean, it was amazing how some of these songs just were just there morning after, and uh, it was crazy. And Robin, you know, Robin would come up with some good licks and, uh, you know, Warren, and so the way we went we loved how did you 
how did you guys, uh, uh, Stephen, how did you guys get discovered? In other words, you did the EP, and the metal fans certainly knew about the EP, and it was out independently. But obviously, yeah. it's a big jump to go from that to a deal with Atlantic Records and, and, all, and, the, and the leap that was taken from that to the debut album 35 years ago. Uh, talk a little bit about that process because you know there's a lot of people talk about what's going on in on the Sunset Strip now. The Motley Crue movie is out. I don't know if you've sure. seen it, but that sort of paints that whole era, if you will. Talk a little bit about for Rat what it was like for you guys on that scene and how you got signed to make this record. Where where was there a lot of people looking at the band? Was there a bidding war? What was going on? Um, first, we were the last noticed which was really strange since we'd be selling out all these clubs. We were house band at the whiskey and, and we were just, you know, wondering, Hey, everybody's getting signed, you know? <laughs> and then eventually we were, uh, did a sold out show. And I don't know if it was a palace or wherever in LA and somebody from Atlantic was out there and they approached us, uh, or it was Bull Hill, I think. No, not Bo, Marshall Burl, our manager at the time. Marshall Burl, Marshall Burl, Milton Milton Burl's nephew, right? Yeah, yeah. Because of the uh, EP, um, he worked it and got attention, and and somebody came out from Atlantic to see us at that gig, and actually, Lita Ford was opening, if I'm correct, (laughs) and she didn't want to play in front of rats, so she didn't play. And I believe that's a gig we got signed. Oh wow, that's amazing! But we had her out, and, we had her out on the tour on our tour anyway. So yeah, yeah. And uh, the videos, obviously, three huge videos from this record that were all over yeah. MTV back in the day: Wanted Man, Round and Round, and of course, Back for More. And it, you know, Milton Burl being in your videos was was certainly something that was unique and that a lot of people were talking about at the time. Talk a little bit about that and how much those videos meant. Do you have any great memories or stories about making any of those videos? Um, sure, a lot of them. I mean, the band wasn't allowed to go to a shoot where there were all these women. <laughs> um, but the videos were just brand new. And, you know, when we had Milton Berlin round, um, he pretty much took over. I mean, Don Bletz from Big Audio Dynamite uh, was a producer, director or something. And But Marshall Burl had a lot to do with the videos, too. Um, but when we had Milton in there, he kind of just took over, you know, and Don went, okay, <laughs> Mr. Television. And we just did what we did, came up with the ideas of somebody falling through the ceiling and rats and, you know, Rats everywhere, and it was it was it was an experience. But then again, you all of a sudden became actors, you know. Uh, so it was interesting. Wanted Man was great. That was that was real, pretty real. Um, and what was the other one we did? Uh, back for more, right? Back for more. Oh yeah, that was just another fun video, you know, having Ozzy in there, Motley in there, and you know. Tawny and everybody. It was just a big party video, you know. Where did you do Wanted Man? Because that's the whole uh, country western vibe one. Where where did you shoot that? Oh, you know, it was Old Tucson or something. If I, you know, I might be incorrect on something. But I think it's Old Tucson. We did it on the road. Um, 
but it was out in this, you know, movie set place. And uh, it was fun. I mean, it was incredibly fun. And was when Marshall Burl was in those videos, and like it was his nephew that was managing you at the time, which is how that all happened. Did he ever hang yeah. with you guys? Like, did he come out on the road ever? Did he ever come to shows? Did he become a fan of the band, or was he just kind of having fun, time. fun being in the videos? Oh, he would come out. No, all the time. Yeah, Japan, Europe, everywhere. Oh yeah, he was. <laughs> he was uh, one of the guys. <laughs> What was that like, man? Was that fun part? Did you party with him? Of course. <laughs> he wouldn't. He wouldn't party like us, but you know, <laughs> a little dabble, do you? <laughs> Uncle Milty on the road—that is amazing, man. Oh Traveling no, no, no! I thought you said Marshall, but Milton. No, but Milton hung out. He, we used to go to the Friars Club because of him here in Beverly Hills. There, and uh, you'd see these comedians, and most people wouldn't know now, but. Some are, most of them are gone, but, you know, the Shecky Greens and the Miltons and the whoever, it was it was fun. We had good times in Milton. Yeah, that's what I meant. No, I would imagine your manager would be around with you. I meant, uh, I meant Milton, yeah. Milton coming around oh, on the road and getting on the bus. After Back for More video, we did try to get him a, a girl in his limo, but he wouldn't go for it. <laughs> Did he did he ever come out on stage at a live show? Because he was such a big part of those videos. Did he ever come to a show and you guys bring him out at all? Uh, he might have. I don't recall. He might have. I know we've you know we've actually hung out. You know, I mean, we did hang out with him every now and then with our manager. But uh, yeah, well, it's a, it's a great record, man. It still holds yeah. up so well. It's hard to believe it's thirty five years later. I was when I when I I knew that you know because somebody from Scorpions had set up the the fact that Love at First Thing came out today. But then when I saw on on social media that it was out of the cellars, like you're kidding me because it just doesn't feel like it's that long ago. And I was let's you know, I had to reach out to you about right. it, man, because I was just amazed and uh, that that on this day, thirty five years ago, two great records came out. Do you remember? Were you hip to the Scorpions? I mean, you must have been hip to Scorpions. You you obviously knew that their record came out the same day. I would think back then, right? Uh, yeah, we knew knew them and you know hung with them and stuff and went out did some shows with them and and you know to this day still acquaintances here and there. So uh, that's a, we, yeah. Robin turned me on to the Scorpions in the seventies with uh, when um, the other guitar player before Michael was even in there. Yuli, uh, Yuli John Roth. Yuli, yeah, Yuli. And so I got a dose of that ages ago. You know, been a fan ever since. So listen, man, before I let you go, let's get up to speed yeah. um, now on what's going on with Rat at the moment. Um, <laughs> Yeah. All the all the lawsuits and all that stuff, is that all behind you now? Is that put to rest, or where things stand? I don't want to dwell on all of that. It's over, over. Uh, next. Okay, so you're good. So, Well, because it's We're always... Uh, you're good. Wait. Okay. Wait. All right, so your health, let me ask you about that, because obviously, yeah. you know, I was concerned, and a lot of people were concerned about some bad episodes you had on stage. <laughs> Anything you want to say about that, and how are you feeling now? I am feeling really good, and, you know, I used to have worse stumbles back in the day. I'm sure everybody did. But, uh, yeah, I had uh, – my knees were given out, so I had to have both knees replaced. And and I'm like, gung-ho, we don't cancel shows. And a little bit, did I know, as I had to 
you know, take care of pain management. Uh, just blew it a couple gigs. But everything's tight now. My knee's great. Um, I'm hardcore therapy, and that's it. Ready to go on the road, May 4th. So you've had both knees replaced? Is that what you went yeah. through, knee replacement on both knees recently? Yeah, and the left one twice. Yeah. Oh man, and and you yeah, are you able brutal. to walk? Are you able to walk around pretty well now? Um, I'm walking around good. In about a month, I'll, I'll be, you know, ready for the rat attack. That's that. That's for sure. You know, it's a totally different situation where, you know, there's no crazy stuff going down. Everybody's tight, uh, rehearsing well, and you know, Juan. Um, myself, uh, Jordan Zip on lead guitars, and uh, Chris Saunders on guitar, and Pete Holmes on drums. So this is the band. And this has been the band for what, like a year, I guess, about probably around now, right? Uh, this is the band until we decide it's over. But I mean, you've had this lineup, you know, since Warren's been gone. This has been the lineup of the yeah. band. You've you've been doing this lineup now for probably a little over a year, right? No, not well. It's been over a year, but last year we were only able to do, um, uh, I don't know, a dozen shows before I couldn't walk anymore. You know, sit in a chair, no, it doesn't work for me. Uh, being out of control, like you know, doesn't work. Um, so we did a, a couple shows, and we had to cancel a bunch of shows because of my surgery, and I wouldn't immediately, you know. So what's the plan going forward for 2019? Your knees are healthy. You're healthy. The legal stuff yep. is behind you. You're, you got, this is yep. the lineup of the band. This is what you guys are doing. You have you sent me a flyer for something you're doing in Mexico, I think, a, a big festival yeah, we're doing or something? Domination, yeah, Domination Festival, uh, Mexico, with uh, a ton of great bands. Alice Cooper, Kiss, Slash, uh, Jesus, you name it, Hailstorm, uh, Dead Kennedys, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a quite a lineup. Limp Biscuit, uh, so it's pretty cool. So we'll start there. Vince will be there. Uh, we've got the Domination Festival May fourth, and then um, we're in Biloxi Hard Rock Hotel Casino on the eleventh. Uh, Wildflower Festival, Texas, Richardson, Texas, and we go on and on. There's you can go to theratpack.com. dot com for dates we've got a ton ton more to uh unleash so just stay tuned so that and that is the that is the website for you guys the ratpack.com that's where people should correct. go correct and the last thing how about have you thought about yeah. music have you thought about making uh, new music with rat i know you've released a couple solo records in the last few years that have been real good but have you and juan talked about doing new original rap music a hundred percent, and we actually are right now. He's doing his writing, I'm doing mine. Uh, he's got some great ideas going down. I mean, you know, uh, let's see. So, yes, definitely we're going to record some songs and maybe put out a couple, you know, or something uh, because we can, and then see what happens. Hopefully they'll get a, they'll be a record. And, and the last thing, do you, have you seen The Dirt? Did you watch The Motley movie? Yes, and I loved it. I thought it was spot on, you know, because <laughs> many reasons, you know, uh, I'd crawl through that same window, see Dave there, you know, <laughs> uh, 
And once you go, once Robin and I used to hang there mostly, and we'd go there, you know, we wouldn't leave for like three days. I mean, it was just crazy, you know. Um, but it's a great so movie. You, so you, great. so you, you guys hung in the Motley apartment, and you would just see David Lee Roth sitting there, like in the movie. Yeah, he'd be there. Yeah, totally. You know, <laughs> it was it was pretty spot on. I didn't see no mirror fall on his head, but you know, uh, but, but it was pretty cool. And then we had Rat Mansion West, you know, which is a one bedroom apartment. Three of us slept in, and the crew and our gear. And after our shows, everybody would go there. You know, a couple of the Motley guys, Wasp, or, you know, whoever's in town, you know, it could be anybody. I don't know. Wow. But that, that's, well, that's true. All that stuff is pretty, pretty spot on. I don't know about their, you know, the sexual things about that, but uh, it was pretty crazy. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you, because as a guy who, who grew up there and lived it and was around at that time, there, there's been yeah. a lot made about the movie. And the fans, you know, most of the fans love it. I, I would never have expected the critics to like it. Of course, they don't. But from somebody yeah. who actually lived it, I was curious what your thoughts were on it. That's good to hear. It's good. I mean, I, I thought it was, it, was, it was great. I mean, look, you can't fit 35, 36 years into, you know, an hour or something, Uh there's too many stories to tell. So, you know, you do what you can do, but it, there, that was tongue in cheek. So I thought it was cool. You know, the critics fuck them, you know, uh, but you know, it is what it is. It was great. And, and a lot, and real, I just realized one more thing, going back to out of the cellar as I'm sitting here, because when I knew I was going to be talking about the record, I pulled out the CD. I have the original, yeah. original CD. It's, it's on Atlantic, but it was made in Germany on Polygram. It's like the early days of CDs. I have the very first one because I got it the day it came out. And I'm huh. looking at the cover and, uh, Tawny Katane, that's Tawny Katane on the cover, right? Cor- correct. So, and she was, it was her legs on the cover of the EP, right? Correct. That was Marshall Burrow, uh, uh, No Slow Zeller, Robin and me doing that session. Robin and I threw the rats on her, and yeah. So was she at, uh, attached to the band? Was she, she was was she dating Robin, Robin at that time? She was dating yeah. Robin. Uh, off and on, I think. But in the yeah, but that's his earlier. That was his early girl. So long San before. Diego. Long before she got well known for being cut in all the White Snake videos, you actually had her on your album covers. Yeah, and video. Well, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, through. I think she's in. I think she's in one, maybe two, but I know she's in round. You know. Right, right. Yeah, I'm just that's looking at the one. cover now, and I'm I'm thinking of that, and I'm I'm looking, and I never, I it's, it's hard to see. You know, her face isn't full on, so I was just uh-huh. wondering if that was her, but. Yeah, she was in back for more. I'm correct. Yeah. Well, listen, man. Most important, yeah. take care of yourself and your health and your knees, and and get you know get healthy, man. That's the, nothing more important than that. And then we'll keep an eye on everything going on. Uh, TheRatPack.com for more information about yeah. Stephen and what the guys are going to be doing on a, on a busy 2019. Hopefully, some new music and uh, everybody can go back in their time machines and relive, uh, put on out of the cellar today and go back to 84, man. I wish we could really yeah. do it. I wish there was a machine that we could actually step back for, for a bit it would be kind of fun, but well, I'll tell you, Eddie, there probably is. We just don't know about it yet. You know, <laughs> well, 
Let's hope we make it as long to, we make it long enough to see it, Stephen. You know. <laughs> yeah. No. Everybody's healthy and fine, and uh, we're going to get out there, kick some ass, and rat attack. Here we come. It'll be who knows if I roll into next year. Uh, there's a hand, couple handful of dates up now, but expect many more. All right, well, listen, send my best to Juan. I don't know the other guys, but say hello to them sure. as well, and hopefully I'll see you uh, I'll see you guys somewhere on the road, or I'm in L.A. a lot, so I'll hit you up. We'll grab a coffee or something. It'd be good to catch up a little bit. You got it, brother. Thank you so much. All right, Stephen. Thanks for the time, man. You got it. Bye-bye. Thank you. Well, it seems like just yesterday, <laughs> if you're about my age, that 1984 was uh, just here. And uh, two great records that came out, and it was 35 years ago. Who the hell knew? Thanks to Stephen Piercy, and thanks earlier, of course, to Klaus Mina of Scorpions, talking a little bit and reminiscing a bit about uh, their bo- both of their landmark records for Rat Out of the Cellar that you just heard Stephen talk about, as well as some other stuff, and earlier Klaus talking Love at First Sting 35 years later. Enjoyed the conversation. I thank them both for the time. Thank you for listening to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New episodes are every Thursday right here on uh, either podcastone.com, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, thanks to Katie Irizarry, who puts it all together for us and is the producer of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Follow me on social media, Twitter, where I am most active, at Eddie Trunk, Instagram, fan page on Facebook, eddietrunk.com is the official online home. See you next Thursday for another all-new episode. Hope to see you this Monday if you're in L.A. Come on out and join me at the Rainbow for the next Trunk Nation L.A. Invasion. Again, guests scheduled include David Coverdale, Marilyn Manson, and Rob Zombie. Of course, as always, all guests are subject to change, but that's what we're looking at. Won't cost you a penny to get in, so come on out and join us this coming Monday. All right. I'll see you guys next Thursday for a new episode of the podcast. Have a great week. This is Jordan Harbinger, host of the not-so-creatively titled Jordan Harbinger Show. We dig into the superpowers of the world's most interesting thinkers, and then we deliver them to you right into your ears. It's more than just a way to get inspired, and I get it. We're not all superheroes. That's why we give you their blueprint and include worksheets for every episode, as well as answer your listener questions so you can live what you listen. Listen free to the Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts and PodcastOne.com. 
Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.